Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. This is the CHGO Pub Podcast presented by PointsBet. Use code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Hello, everyone. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are coming to you on Sunday, August 7th. The Cubs and Marlins wrapping up a three-game series at a rainy, beautiful, historic Wrigley Field on Sunday. The Marlins pick up the finale, Brendan, but the Cubs take two Mm -hmm. of three. Not a particularly explosive series from these two teams. Uh, the finals in this one, two to one, four to nothing, and three to nothing. So if you were looking for offensive fireworks, you did not get it. But the Cubs pick up two wins here. They do. And you had some theatrics with Wilson coming back. You had some good quality pitching performances from Drew Smiley, as well as Justin Steele, and some interesting debuts in the minor system as well. So overall, it was a busy weekend, one filled with a lot of pitching highlights. So it was fun. Yeah, and we do end up with a ton to talk about, per usual. Uh, We have some... It's nice. Yeah, some roster updates. We have a ton, as usual, going on in the minor league system. Um, I, I, I don't think we, you know, we want all of our shows to turn into the prospect watch hour, but there's some really interesting stuff going on, and, and per usual, that's yeah. going to have a pretty big impact as we go forward here uh, for these last couple months and then heading into 2023. Um, let's, Brendan, well, well, first of all, just a couple of uh, housekeeping notes on the roster. Uh, the Cubs do DFA uh, Andrelton Simmons, and he was granted his unconditional release on Sunday, so the Andrelton Simmons era is over. Uh, there it is. There you go on that. Uh, you know, look, in all honesty, like the signing made sense at the beginning of the year, uh, to get a glove for shortstop in there to back up Nico. You had a, a starting rotation that you planned on generating a lot of ground balls, injuries to the starting rotation, injuries to Simmons, his bat being, you know, really unplayable and the overall, you know, uh, success or lack thereof from the team, just as we talked about, didn't make sense to keep this mm-hmm. going on any further. The value is in getting younger guys opportunities. So yes. that is the end of that. Uh, the other update, Christopher Morell, he left Saturday's game. He's dealing with some right hamstring tightness. Uh, quote from David Ross, he's running the bases a little bit tight, and I'm not going to take any risks there. We have plenty of infielders on the bench. Nothing serious from what I was told by the trainers, but we'll see how he feels on Sunday. So that was, of course, after he was taken out of the game on Saturday. He doesn't play on Sunday, but doesn't appear to be hitting the injured list. That also may explain he went through a, a sort of lengthy hitless stretch that he ended on uh, this weekend, but maybe that explains a little bit of of, uh, some of the more recent uh, struggles at the plate from Christopher, and, you know, I I appreciate them being uh, safe here. Yeah, absolutely. I think with the Andrelton Simmons decision, one thing that I was reminded of was just how important Nico's fast start was, because even when Simmons came back from his early season shoulder problem. He never got a chance at shortstop. So I do commend the Cubs for sticking with Nico there. They've done this in the past where they give some veterans opportunities that that annoy many people, uh, including us on this Very podcast so, in the yeah. infield. Uh, so I will give the Cubs credit for not, I guess, abusing that potential role with and with interrupting Simmons at shortstop. Um, it made sense the defensive depth that Simmons did have and the ability to do well defensively at multiple positions. It made sense. Didn't work out, but Nico took hold of that job. And I, I do give Ross credit for sticking with Nico uh, all the way through the season. Yeah. 
so that you know there's a lot of ways to look back at this offseason and how things have played out um some of those depth signings though you know Jed certainly it seems was not given too much budget to work with uh but you look at the performance from Jonathan VR and Andrelton Simmons and uh not great not not quite the depth uh that you had hoped for right so you know sometimes you hunt in the bargain bin and you get a dud right let's uh too often though for them yeah, uh, too too often in, in the recent past, but we don't have to get into that today. Let's take a look at this series with the Marlins, run through these box scores real quick, set the table, and I think kind of like we did last time, you know, there'll be some moments to pause uh, on individual players that we want to discuss, and then obviously we, we have plenty to uh, break down afterward. Uh, Friday was 2-1, to one, the Cubs winning this one. An interesting start from Justin Steele, Brendan, and, and maybe we can mm-hmm. start there. Four and two-thirds, four hits, no runs, one walk, and 10 strikeouts. He throws 93 pitches in those four and two-thirds innings. Now, obviously, if you're going to rack up 10 strikeouts, it takes a decent amount of pitches to get there, Uh, at least 30 by my math. You can correct me, Brendan, but I'm pretty sure that's the floor for how you get there. (laughs) That is. Good job. Uh, Thank you. Um, (laughs) There was also a a catcher's interference at one point on Jan Gomes uh, that kind of lengthened one of those innings and Mm -hmm. prevented Steele from going at least five innings, if not deeper. Um, But you look at Steele, he's got a 3.67 ERA on the season. His last five starts, he has a 2.05 ERA. Uh, he has more strikeouts than innings pitched this season. He he just looks really good. And and it's, you know, the his first 10 starts of the year, which I think included that blow up in Cincinnati, he had a 5.4 ERA. His last 10 starts, a 2.43 ERA in 15 more innings than those first 10 starts. So yep. re- really whatever you're looking at, Brendan, like the numbers are really good. And you obviously want more length than what you got on Friday. But those 10 strikeouts have got to pique your interest if you were not already looking at his body of work this season and and kind of counting it as a, a pretty resounding success. Oh, absolutely. I think the the amount of whiffs he's been generating lately is encouraging. I've wanted to see more whiffs from Justin and, and Keegan as well. And Keegan's been able to do that with throwing more sliders and throwing more secondary pitches rather than using uh, four seams as often as he did out of the bullpen. So both those guys are still going through that progress, uh, th- that progression, which is encouraging for Steele. He's still going about his business with a two pitch repertoire, which I have like mixed feelings about like you want to see guys who are dynamic like Marcus Stroman and some of the you know elite pitchers in the league, but with Justin Steele, his efficiency and that fastball effectiveness has been such a rarity. Like the amount of barrels he has not given up by his fastball is at like an historical rate, and the way he's gone about using his fastball has changed so much throughout the season. A few months ago, we knew that uh, John Lester talked with David Ross about uh, potentially changing um, the location at which Justin Steele throws his fastball. He was going more down and in to guys, especially right-handed batters. And then more recently, it could just be a scouting thing and a team-specific thing, but now he's going more up and away. Uh, He does have this unorthodox cutting fastball quarry that might have some uh, weird rising action that hitters don't see that often. We'll maybe dig into that more as the season progresses here, but he had nine whiffs as well with that slider uh, against the Marlins on Friday. So this is another step in the right direction, just seeing where the Cubs starting depth is at this point and anticipating what it could look like come the season uh, ending. I, I feel really good with both Steele and I think we just loop in Keegan with the same discussion as we always do, but both those guys are so important for the team next year. And every step, every start they've had here in the past few months has been a step in the right direction for the most part. So it's really encouraging. Yeah. And I think, you know, especially with Steele and we've seen it with Keegan adding that slider in the middle of this season, something you have to really keep in mind with these guys is that 
you know, they're they're going to with their infrastructure use all of this information. And you know, Steele is is an interesting case, right? You look at a game like uh, Friday where he he only he doesn't get through the fifth inning, but he strikes out ten guys, right? We've also seen games where mm-hmm. he's gone deeper, but the strikeout total is not as high, and a mix of both of those, right? And so this whole experiment in this year, right, with letting them get these innings and have the leash to kind of work on this stuff is really valuable for this coaching staff and the pitching infrastructure to be able to put it all together and say, okay, here's what he's doing that's maximizing whiffs and strikeouts. Here's what he's doing that's maximizing his command. Here's what he's doing that's avoiding barrels, right? And you kind of are able to put that all together. It's not for me to do. Maybe Brendan could explain what the best kind of version of all of this is. But the the point I'm making is that it's very valuable that they can look at all of this. They can adjust his repertoire. They can adjust his pitches. And decide, you know, going into next season, here is the best version of all of this, right? Well, I remember you were talking to Cody and Luke about this uh, a few months ago, where there was a comment about Justin Steele. This is, I think, got to be back in June or May. And you made the point, which I think is, is really important to keep bringing up, that each start is a progression. It's not a finale in terms of interpreting what these guys can do next season. So... Some of these starts may not be great, but for reasons that we don't quite know because we're behind the scenes, um, you know, they could be working on right. stuff. And so each start is a data point. It is an, it is like a miniature experiment, if you will, to get these guys to that next level. And I think of this in the context, okay, with Steele, he was going through a few starts, taking that down and in approach with his fastball. And maybe because of that, something changed. And now he's able to use his fastball more efficiently. And there was one other example last season when they put Adver Alzali, hopefully he comes back this year uh, with his injury. But last season, they put him in a bullpen. And I remember you and I talking about this, like why, like, like, why are they doing this? I want to see Adbert get the starting innings from the very first inning. And Tommy Hadovy said, well, with Adbert coming out of the bullpen, we can do things he's not normally capable of doing right. in a starting role. So I, I'm just constantly re- reminding myself of that, especially not getting too stuck on a one-start basis, more so on the big picture and what they're actively trying to change and, and improve upon. Yeah, data points. I think that's that's a really yeah. good one, right? Anytime you can get a guy in there against major league hitting and see what they're able to do, it's, it's valuable information. And, you know, right. again, like at some point, this team is going to be competing for playoff spots. Hopefully that's next year and you're going to need to kind of dial this all in and be ready to compete at that level. But that's the point of this year and that's why it's been so valuable and these next two months can continue to be valuable. Just one more stat on Steele before we talk about uh, some of the other games this weekend. If you are interested in FIP, fielding independent pitching, we've talked about this uh, a few times. Again, kind of tries to remove the, the defense, the unluckiness of batted balls, things like that. Uh, of all starting pitchers in baseball that have thrown at least 90 innings so far this season, Justin Steele has the 24th best FIP, which finds him right around guys like Logan Webb of the Giants, Frankie Montas, Nestor Cortez, Garrett Cole. So good company to be keeping uh, for a guy who has played different roles, has been in the bullpen, put in the rotation. Like this is, it's going really well. I think this whole Justin Seal thing, right? It's going really well. That's the easiest way to, to phrase that. The other big note in Friday's game, of course, is that the game is won in the eighth inning by a two-run home run by Wilson Contreras, who is a Chicago Cub. I don't really, we talked about him a lot. We're going to continue to talk about that situation a lot. Um, There's a lot to think about there with the qualifying offer, with Wilson playing DH a lot. Uh, Maybe he gets some looks at first base with that kind of position opening. We talked about that a little bit before. So we'll see where that goes. But this was a great moment at at Wrigley Field. He got a nice ovation when he first came up, uh, and he was jacked when he hit that home run and he (laughs) came across home plate. Just an, an awesome moment for him, for the fans, uh, and we'll see where it goes from there, but it's yeah. it's cool to be getting those moments still at this point in time. Well, we haven't had many of those recently, right? To actually like genuinely be happy to have like one person back from the core on your team doing something like that, it's, it's, it's unfamiliar yeah. to us. So he took advantage of that and it pumped everyone up. It was fun. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Uh, so one other thing in Friday's game, uh, somebody who you know we've obviously talked about a lot, but continued to keep an eye on, Brandon Hughes, an inning and a third, one yep. hit, no runs, no walks, two strikeouts. He's got a 2.9 ERA. Uh, different pitcher than Scott Efros, but I think Brandon is a good example. Brendan, that's a that's a tough one. It's a tongue that's twister. That's tough, right? Yeah, uh, good job, yeah, very well. Let's see if I can do it again. Um, <laughs> Brandon is a good example of the Cubs' belief in their ability to progress these relievers through the system and have them contribute in a, a really meaningful way. I mean, he's he's thrown 31 innings so far this year. He's got 39 strikeouts, a 1.06 whip. Like, they're, they're clearly confident and proving it pretty constantly that they mm-hmm. can churn out relievers and guys who can contribute at this level. Yeah, absolutely. And to see Hughes do that, I'm thinking of also... Um, you know, guys currently in AAA. We'll see if they add him to the 40-man roster, but one guy, Jeremiah Estrada, he was highlighted in a big post by The Athletic today in which they talked about the pitching infrastructure and what they're doing uh, on a more higher-level process. So this is just one example of hopefully many more. He was being the example where the Cubs can just churn out start uh, relief pitchers with efficiency. And since we're on that topic, I do want to just read one brief tidbit from that athletic post, especially in the context of Carter Hawkins. You and I have talked about Carter um, in terms of what he brings from Cleveland that's unique. And I think this post did that. And so this is about a three sentence explanation of, of what Carter is thinking. But he was asked about pitching models. And this is what Hawkins said, quote, my mental model is you can either fix the ball or fix what's driving the ball in terms of fixing the ball, what the ball is doing in midair, in terms of going harder, going in a different direction or going to a specific spot or fix how the body makes the ball do that. I think the Cubs have been really, really good, maybe great at that ball part and are continuing to get better at the body part of it. That continues to merge together, and we've seen some great gains that way. And apparently, this is what Cleveland's done so well, is getting to that movement part, right? So I think when we talk about, okay, why is Carter Hawkins part of this process? How did Cleveland get the most out of their pitchers and their development? It could be in that, and using some of the more biomechanical stuff uh, rather than, not rather, but complementing what they've been doing so well at with different pitch grips and changing, um, you know, slight tweaks on the ball or wrist orientation going from like a a regular curve to a knuckle or a spike curve with Rowan Wick, um, sweeping sliders by Moskos. But now it's an additive part about trying to move the body in a way that also generates more movement. So there's something to watch and uh, another little highlighting um, moment for me to to continue seeing what they do with these younger guys. Yeah, absolutely. So moving to Saturday's game, the Cubs winning this one four to nothing. They get their runs on a Nico Horner RBI single, a Wilson Contreras RBI single, Saya grounded into a double play that brought home a run, and P.J. Higgins hits his fifth home run of the season. Uh, They also get six and two-thirds from Drew Smiley, five hits, no runs, one walk, and four strikeouts. So, uh, you know, we talked about the Cubs you know, obviously his injury made it difficult to trade Smiley, uh, but they're going to need guys to eat innings at some point throughout this year. We've seen obviously plenty of injuries. Keegan and Steele are both, you know, really pushing their workload in terms of how much they've done before and working as a starter in the major league. So you're going to need these quality innings. Uh, and I believe the Cubs and Smiley have a mutual option. So those situations, you know, are, are interesting how they usually play out. Uh, but I, I think the Cubs were happy to keep him in-house, and if they're interested in a reunion next year, you obviously have the first crack at a conversation there. Uh, but it was a nice start from Smiley, so that's always helpful. Uh, you know, Nico was three for four in this game, Brendan. He yes, continues he was. to, you know, just be really great. Um, yes, he does. P.J. Higgins is a, one of those guys who becomes pretty interesting in terms of the playing time because he can play multiple positions. Uh, we've seen him at third, catching first, 
And he's obviously been in limited time, Brendan, but he's got an 894 OPS. He's hitting 287 with an 894 OPS. Uh, he's one of those guys who, depending on how all of this shakes out, like you would like to see him continue getting these opportunities. Oh, yeah. He's versatile, and it's it's worthwhile to you know let him see if he can continue to hit at this level. Yeah, I think so. His, his way of going about hitting I, I like as well he has a contact rate of 80 percent four percentage points better than league average and his chase rate is about six percentage points better than league average so far in the short season for him so he plays multiple positions in addition to catching which i also like having that added dimension of uh flexibility around the diamond that perhaps mckinstry can also uh, use and of course Morel. Hopefully his injury is not that bad. But when he's healthy, you could in theory see a really dynamic roster if PJ Higgins continues to hit, and it could give Jed more flexibility in trying to determine what they do with their catcher position um, this off season and, and in future seasons ahead. Yeah, absolutely. So in this game on Saturday, and then we'll jump into our first sponsor break. Mark Leiter Jr. comes in a relief of Drew Smiley, two and a third, no hits, no runs, no walks, and one strikeout. An interesting thing uh, that I saw pointed out by friend of the podcast, Matt Clapp, at the Blog Finds on Twitter. As a reliever, Brendan, 31 and a third innings for Mark Leiter Jr., 10 strikeouts per nine innings, three walks per nine innings, a 2.87 ERA, and a 3.46 FIP. Those are pretty good numbers yep. out of yeah. the bullpen. I, I know when he was starting, not a, you know that didn't go very well. His ERA overall is not that good, but we did see him get some interesting swings, have some interesting stuff, even if he doesn't have a super diverse repertoire. And again, you know, not to like keep hammering the same point, but it is the main driving force of this second half here. This is what you're trying to figure out right? Okay, maybe he's not a starter. Maybe he's he's not someone you look at as starting pitching depth for next year. But could you have a middle reliever, right? Yeah. With everything that they're doing, yeah. like these numbers are pretty good. Yeah, we don't know the answer to that either. The only way to figure that out is if he continues to pitch, which he's going to, given that the bullpen is uh, more, much more open than it was a few weeks ago. With, with Leiter, he has a weird way of going about getting outs he does not rate that well from a stuff plus perspective. He does not have one pitch better than league average. His four-seam fastball rates below league average. Change up, that's an error-prone way of estimating stuff, but that does not rate better than league average. And his cutter, curveball, slider, they rate league average, but those pitches, the, the curveball and cutter in particular, those rate above league average in command. And so you're thinking perhaps if he comes out of the bullpen, maybe he can max out a little bit more, make more use out of that four-seam fastball and still use that curveball, the cutter, showing this uh, the changeup, of course, um, and, and get more whiffs that way, which he's been able to do. His whiff rate is one percentage point better than league average. It's also three percentage points better than Scott Efros, who who nailed the edges and getting a weak contact, not to compare the two. But when we talk about guys um, and bullpen guys, my preference has always been I want guys who get more whiffs. And at least so far in the early going here out of the bullpen, um, he appears to be doing that. So hopefully he continues. I'm not sure he's a lock for next year. We will, we have a lot more runway to go with him, but he's definitely well, in the mix. depth is nice. Right, it like, is nice, you know, right? guys get hurt, things don't pan out, et cetera, et cetera. Like you need that depth, right? So, and yep. you know, I think this exactly. goes for even the discussion on PJ Higgins, right? Like PJ's twenty nine. Like he's not someone that you know you're you're looking at being a, a part of this team in a major role or for the next decade. But like we just talked about this, right? We they just DFA'd and released someone that they signed for depth for a particular purpose, right? And it made yeah. sense at the time. Uh, and other guys that they've signed for depth. If you can save that money, right? Like, we don't know what the budget is. We all wish it were infinite, but it probably will not be, right? If you can have some of those options coming from in-house that you're developing, well, there you go. There's money that Jed can put towards something bigger and something better, right? 
Exactly. All right. So quick break here from our sponsors. The best way to support CHGO is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you do that right now, you'll get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but that's not it. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you will receive a free CHGO membership which unlocks all of our web content and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO Locker. That's $2,000 in free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free t-shirt from the CHGO Locker, all for making more than a $50 first-time deposit at PointsBet. If you have any questions, you can email PointsBet at allchgo.com and we'll help you out. Your home for live in-play betting. betting just got even better. Seeing edge in the game you're watching is your favorite team prime for a comeback. Don't just watch the game bet along with it live more live betting more live markets and faster live cash outs follow along with your bets the moment they hit and stay in the live action all game long download the points bet app right now and use promo code chgo so what are you waiting for it's time to elevate your live betting game once the game starts don't just bet live your bet live points bet if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants to help call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services Second sponsor, I have to tell you about Owen, which stands for only what you need. Owen is a 100% plant-based protein shake that gives you nutrition that works as hard as you do. All of their products are free of artificial ingredients, allergen-friendly, no gluten or dairy, easily digestible. And I first heard about Owen from Chicago Bears starting quarterback Justin Fields, who, by the way, looks good out there in training camp. Uh, And he follows this plant-based diet. Uh, Both Fields and I are, of course, elite athletes, so I had to try these drinks out. I've been drinking them for quite some time now. I do enjoy their taste. And I know when I do have these, I'm getting the nutrition I need. And if I am having a busy day, I will just substitute these for, let's say, a lunch, and I feel good. I know I'm getting everything I need from getting a few of these shakes. Owen and CHGO have partnered up to give you an awesome offer. You can get 20% off your first purchase at liveowen.com with code CHGO20. Join me and Justin Fields to try Owen only what you need. All right, Brendan, so let's look at Sunday. Sunday, the lone Marlins win in the series. It was three to nothing at Wrigley Field. Just two hits for the Cubs, those coming off the bat of your leadoff man on Sunday, Nick Madrigal, who had an okay weekend. He had a good game on Friday, had a couple hits, uh, but came in for Morrell on Saturday, went 0 for 2, and then 1 for 4 on Sunday. For those of you uh, tracking the Madrigal meter at home, And the other hit coming from Jan Gomes, so pretty uneventful for the offense. Uh, But Adrian Sampson, another quality start. Uh, He takes the loss in this one because the offense wasn't there to back him up against Jesus Luzardo for the Marlins. But six innings, six hits, three runs, one walk, and four strikeouts. Kind of the the case with Adrian. He gets bit by the home run, two home runs in this one, uh, but a 3.83 ERA and a nice stat uh, from our guy Ryan Herrera, of course, whose work you can find at allchgo.com. It is the second straight start with Smiley's uh, that was a quality start by the Cubs rotation, and since the All-Star break, the Cubs rotation owns a combined 3.02 3.02 ERA. Uh, they have thrown 80 and a third innings pitch since the All-Star break and given up 27 earned runs. So uh, look, it, it's is it, uh, you know, like a DeGrom-Scherzer rotation, right? I have that on the brain because DeGrom came back today. Like, no, but those are like quality numbers from this group. And like, you look at how the Cubs have had to do it, right? Hendricks has been dealing with uh, injuries all year. Stroman had injuries. He had COVID. You are developing two guys in Thompson and Steele. Um, The way that they have pieced this together, right? Miley's been hurt for most of the year. Alzali has been hurt the entire year. Like, this is a nice showing, I think, from this group. It's not exciting. Yeah. It's You're not winning a championship with this iteration of this rotation, but I think it does speak to the Cubs' abilities in terms of developing pitching, coaching pitching, their advanced scouting. You know, some of that stuff was not great in years past. And again, like, you know, a 3.02 ERA from your rotation is not lighting the world on fire but I think given all of the circumstance this group has done a nice job 
It has. And even though it's done a great job, the, the thinking is, well, it could have been even better if they went out and made some more moves, especially in the context of this division, which is underwhelming right now. But the way the game is progressing, you see what the Rays are doing. A lot of two order pitchers to go in pitch four innings five innings and they're out of the game you can see the cubs incorporating maybe some of that same uh strategy going forward here the more pitchers you have and go that can go multiple innings the better so even if they go out and sign a pitcher this offseason or trade for a higher level one and you have seven candidates to get innings next year we don't know what types of roles will change we don't know how Alzali is going to develop back from an injury. And we don't know how certain players will age. There is a high degree of uncertainty right now with Kyle Hendricks and that shoulder problem, Corey. Unfortunately, that's just kind of the reality right now. But um, you, you just sometimes don't know how pitchers age, especially with those types of injuries. So it is good to see. I wish we had more pitchers to go along with this um, instead of facing this uncertainty. But if this continues and you do have a top shelf rotation at the one, two or three positions in that rotation, then this is the ideal outcome. Um, and I'm just, you know, just watching uh, Sunday Night Baseball and you see how teams like the Dodgers and again the Rays and some other teams who've had injuries like Walker Bueller, Clayton Kershaw, uh, they're able to supplement those guys through depth. Right. And it's almost inevitable that you're going to go through the season with certain guys who are perceived to be big contributors. They may not be such, right? So the Cubs appear to be formulating that depth that hopefully next season will supplement in the case that some of those guys don't perform up to what we all expect. Yeah. And, you know, again, like same deal with Samson. Um, You know, he's 30 years old. He's going to be 31 by the time next season rolls around. He does have some options left on his contract. And, you know, you've gotten eight starts now from him. Uh, He overall on the season in any role has a 3.83 ERA and a 3.7 FIP. Like it's yeah. a, it's it's nice depth. I like Samson. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you're you're not going to be excited, I don't think, uh, by you know someone like Samson and you know looking at the the stuff and things like that. But like the results right. have been pretty good. And again, like you were just saying, Brendan, you're going to need guys like this. You know, you I I don't think anyone would be excited if you go into next year planning on it someone like Adrian Sampson getting a lot of starts but having him in the organization as someone who can start and give you quality starts like he has this year that's important and that's one of the things that the Cubs have been striving to achieve right is like getting to this point where they're not searching for answers if any of their main guys get hurt because they don't have any talent uh, or depth in that minor league system like they they clearly have that and you know now obviously it's about how do you put all of this together and build a team for next year but it's it's nice to see the Cubs be able to do this and it's a credit again to their infrastructure and their coaching and and all they've, they've invested a lot in this so it's good to see some results. Yeah, there was a great tweet put out by a friend of the podcast, Greg Zumak, and he said, quote, in the last year, we've seen Keegan Thompson and Justin Steele move from key multi-inning relievers to rotation mainstays. The Cubs bring in Killian and Wicks and upgrade their repertoires and make trades to have Killian, Wicks, Hurst, Wisniewski, and Brown all in AA or AAA. So that's massive progress, right? And you do have guys like Leiter, who we talked about, and Samson, who, by the way, he he's kind of interesting to watch. I I don't think he'll ever be like a playoff type guy because he doesn't not get that much wisp. But his his career walk per nine rate, Corey, is two point two, and his command plus is about seventy percent better than your average pitcher from his four seam sinker and slider. Actually, I take that back. Almost eighty percent better than your average pitcher. So he's able to use fastballs and sinkers and sliders to go towards the edges way more often and frequently than like your average pitcher. So you see what's going down and percolating at the lower levels, now in the mid-levels, in AAA, and within the Cubs' own system at the big league level with Keegan Thompson and Justin Steele. You have to feel good where they are right now. Yeah, absolutely. So I do want to get into some of these uh 
prospects. Uh, again, you know, I, yeah, I think Stewart. that's, you know, as far as the series review, I think that's what you got. When the offense, they won two games. So it's, you know, it's nice to fly the W twice. We hear Steve Goodman at Wrigley Field twice. Uh, but, you know, the offense scored six runs in three games, and we broke down all of the pitching. So uh, there's, you know, there's not too much to to go on there. I, I do continue, Brendan, I guess before we move on, I want to talk about Ben Brown first. Um, I I do continue to monitor what the Cubs are doing. So just to recap, in terms of positions that we saw in this series, we saw Wilson DH on Friday. We saw Patrick Wisdom at first base, Zach McKinstry at third base. On Saturday, we saw Wilson at DH, Frank back at first base, PJ Higgins catching McKinstry at third base. In those two starts, McKinstry did not have any hits, so that has not started particularly well for Zach there. And then on Sunday, we see Wilson DH again, so something to keep an eye on, right? He DHs in this entire series. Uh, Frank back at first base, he does get pinch hit for late in the game, and Wisdom at third base. Uh, And Frank, similar to Zach McKinstry, uh, does not get any hits in his appearances in this series. That can't Again, love Frank. Last season was a lot of fun. He deserved a lot of the the kind of spotlight that he got, however unexpected it was. I I don't think that this situation is long for yeah. uh, time or life. I, it just can't. It it doesn't make any sense to continue for particularly much longer. Yeah, Carter Hawkins was also talking about this, and and Ryan got some good quotes from Carter, and the context was there's going to be potentially difficult conversations because there's a lineup crunch. And in that context, this is what Carter Hawkins said, quote, I think there's a constrained amount of lineup spots and games that we play. And if you, if you give someone, if you, and if you give something to someone, you're going to have to take it away from someone else. We'll make sure that our communication is as open as possible and as transparent as possible. And, quote and you can see they already kind of did that with Bodie being optioned Mm -hmm. Uh, we did see Simmons get DFA now maybe that's too late but that did happen the next guys in line you said it right there perhaps Frank Schwindel Hayward apparently has that knee injury I I, I would be surprised if we hear hear anything immediately from that given what's going on Uh, but there will be uncomfortable decisions made not from our perspective but perhaps from the Cubs internal perspective on guys that they've invested in over the past few years here it it's not uncomfortable from my perspective I don't have to that's what I'm I don't I don't say. have like, to we, send we want them down to Iowa <laughs> or, or cut them so it's easy for me to just yeah. sit here yeah. yeah um well I mean you can even look at the outfield though too right it's like you I like we keep saying this but I want to see like Crook I want to see um uh, Velasquez plays as often as possible, and you have Seiya, you have Ortega, uh, you have Hap out there. So there is a crunch. It's a legitimate crunch, and it's not just beyond roster spots as well. Yeah, Velasquez also had a tough weekend, uh, 0 for 4 on Friday, and then 0 for 3 on Sunday. But, you know, that's that's part of this point, right, is that you see a guy like McKinstry get a couple of starts to start his time here in Chicago. You see Velasquez sort of finally getting somewhat regular playing time out there. You need the runway in the lineup exactly. and in the season to not overreact to that right and they're, and they're not to their credit yeah. but but that's that's why we've kind of been hammering this for so long that like if Velasquez plays two games in this series and you have a ton of guys you need to get in there or you're giving a ton of playing time to you know guys like Hayward or Simmons or VR at the time like you can look and go hey he got two starts he went over seven like now he's not playing for five days. Like that's what you right. don't want to happen. So we keep talking about this crunch and we kept talking about some of those veterans that were getting time or we even talk about someone like Frank because it's like Frank has had his shot, right? Velasquez has not. And you need the space on this roster, not directly with those two. They don't play the same position, but you guys get the point. You need the space to be able to say, hey, you know, Nelson has shown us some good stuff at times. His overall numbers aren't terrible at the moment, and we need to push through this. He had a bad couple games. Yep. So what, right? But yeah, when you have exactly. too much clutter, I guess, uh, too much of a, a cluster, it's harder to do that. And you, and guys need to perform kind of on a dime, right, which is a difficult expectation. Um, 
just before we hit our second sponsor break, and then we'll jump into the the prospects, uh, starting with Ben Brown. I, I you read those quotes from Ryan um, with Carter Hawkins, and I, I did just want to use that as an opportunity. Like, head over to allchgo.com, sign up to become a member, and get all the premium content from our guy Ryan Herrera. He's he's busting his butt out there. He was driving yes, back is. from St. Louis. He's conducting all these interviews. He's he's gotten a lot of really really good content uh, for CHGO and the CHGO Cubs team so far. So if you are missing out on that, uh, be sure to head over to allchgo.com and get all of our guy Ryan Herrera's excellent work. Yep, and another break here from PointsBet. If you enjoy CHGO, one way to help us continue to grow is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. Not only are you going to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but if you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. If you have any questions, email pointsbet and we'll help you out. And in case you missed it, online sign-up is available in Illinois. You can actually download the PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish all from your phone. You'll be signing up with the fastest sports book, easier than ever, so you can start living your bet life in seconds. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. Gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. All right, so for some context, folks, on Saturday night, Brendan was at a wedding. And I would ask you, Brendan, do you remember the last time that I blew up your phone in the manner that I did (laughs) on Saturday night? Honestly, it's been some time, Corey. Truly been some time. It has been some time. And yes. I was blowing up your phone while you were justifiably so not answering me at a wedding, yeah. which is justifiable. Yeah. Okay, uh, because I was watching Ben Brown, the pitcher that the Cubs acquired for David Robertson, uh, just dominate his debut at Double A. It was his Tennessee Smokies debut, his Cubs organization debut, but it was also his double A debut in general. You recall when he was acquired from the Phillies, he had just been promoted but had not yet pitched. So Brown goes five innings, allows four hits, just a run, two walks. He struck out nine batters, Brendan, and in the early going, he was sitting like 96 to 98. And he's got a disgusting breaking pitch that I'm sure you've dove into already. Uh, But just watching the highlights that were coming out of Ben Brown, I... I was I was jacked, man. I don't know any other way to explain this. I mean, watching him pump 98 past hitters at double A, I, 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 I mean, for two months of a 30 set, David Robertson was great for the Cubs. And if the Phillies are able to sneak into the playoffs, it, it's a it's a aggressive, you know, winning mindset kind of mood, right? I don't hate it. But watching Ben Brown, like your last night at least, and reading what the Phillies organization and other scouts had thought of him after the trade, like I'm looking at this going, all right, oh, yeah. like Jed and this group, they they know what they're doing because they identified yeah. a target and boy, did they get him. Yeah, you can see why they targeted Ben Brown. Number one, six foot six. You you see it right away when you watch him pitch. He has this natural over the top release point. I imagine because he has that over the top release point, Corey, you saw those strikeouts in his debut. He probably has natural rising action on that four seam. You also mentioned the breaking pitches and that nasty, whatever you want to call it. He does have a harder slider. He has more of a slower slider curveball type pitch. Uh, he's He was getting whiffs on those pitches. There were reports prior to him being traded to the Cubs that suggested that his breaking pitches were not optimal yet. Uh, and that because of that, he may need to develop a changeup in the future. We don't know what happened between that report, which was last offseason, and, and now. Perhaps he did change some of his breaking stuff and what have you, or perhaps he's working with the Cubs now to hopefully improve that and make that even better. But there was also, I think, uh, some chatter on Twitter that is is fair and maybe sensational at the same at the same time, but some folks were watching Brown 
and thinking, oh, he kind of looks like Tyler Glass now. And that's like the 0.001% percentile outcome projection for, for Ben Brown. But people were reminded of Glass now because like Ben Brown, he has a really tall release point. He's also really tall, and he also throws two different breaking pitches. And recently, what Glasnow has done caught my eye, and it made me think what they may do with Ben Brown. So what the Rays did with Glasnow is between 20 and 20, 2020 and 2021, they scrapped his curveball more or less, which was already successful, which is crazy to even do scrapped his curveball, made it more of a harder curveball slider. It's classified as a slider, but Corey, this slider that Glass now throws moves like a 12-6 curveball. This spin rate, this orientation, the axis is like a 12-6 curveball, but it has a little bit more um, of a sharper uh, vertical approach angle and has a little bit more break to it, a little bit more sweeping action to it. Um, and it's gotten more whiffs. So I'm dialing in on what they do with Ben Brown, who has that similar release point, who has two breaking pitches that have been rumored to need optimization. And you have Daniel Moscow's, who has been really successful implementing new sliders and making the most out of that pitch. So as the season goes on here from double A, I'm not sure if they'll even get him into the quote unquote pitch lab to work on his stuff or just let him go out and, and do his thing before the offseason. But he has that natural raw ability that if he continues to go out there and show command and have good velocity and have clean mechanics, it's possible the Cubs can make the most out of that and just optimize those breaking pitches to hopefully translate that to the big league level. Yeah. Uh, it's a it's, lot. And we've got more guys to talk about, but it's just it was just exciting yeah. to have a guy come over like this and see the the level of talent and velocity and stuff right and just see dudes at this level uh or excuse me at so many levels of this organization that was one of the, higher levels now too yeah right like graduating yeah. moving up and, and performing up. like nice. that was feels good that was the point of a lot of this right like is to and you know we talk about depth that you can get at, at the major league level like i i don't know what Jed's timeline is or what their thinking is on exactly how aggressive they'll be in certain off seasons, things like that. But the point isn't to wait for all of these guys to be major league ready. The point is to have this, you know, as they've talked about a million times, like this sort of constant pipeline that just keeps churning this stuff out. You brought up, I, I think the Dodgers are always the best example to look at. Like, some of their frontline guys get hurt. They have a highly touted AAA prospect ready to go you know, who Always. might just end up yep. being as good, right? Like, yep. and it just needs the opportunity. Like, that's the point you're trying to get to. And that was what was so exciting about watching Brown last night is he shows up in double A and strikes out nine guys. Now, yeah. just for clarity, the, <laughs> On the, other the, hand. The, the other hand, Hayden Wisniewski uh, did make his Cubs debut on Sunday and it did not go very well at triple A. Nope. One and two-thirds, eight hits, eight runs, two walks, two strikeouts. Uh, Tommy Birch, uh, who is a great follow with the Iowa Cubs, uh, did note that five of those hits were under 75 miles an hour, so context always important. Uh, you know, look, for and, and this is also true of Ben Brown. You know, maybe he's got that adrenaline, he's, he's pumping gas, and maybe he struggles in his next outing. You know, same reverse for Wisniewski, right? This is his first start in a new organization. Um it's not a big deal, right? All of the prospect guys that, you know, we follow and we trust, uh, you know, liked what they saw, obviously the results notwithstanding. And it's just one of those starts, right? Like some guys need time to settle in. They're not counting on Hayden Wisniewski to come up to the majors right now and, and be, you know, dominating major league lineups. So this is all part of the process. But I, you know, it would be unfair to gush over Ben Brown and not at least mention uh, that Wisniewski <laughs> did, you know, it did not, it did not go that well. That's just, you know, that's the so reality bad. of the situation. It happens. Wis Wis Wisniewski is more advanced than Ben Brown in terms of timeline. He has five pitch types. He has to change up. He's more comfortable with cutters and sliders. And he has a you know, a fastball that plays up and complements those pitches. Um, you know, I don't think they're going to do much to Wisniewski between now and his imminent, hopefully imminent, 
call up, Moskow is familiar with Wisniewski and that struggling debut, Corey. I just throw it away. Honestly, it's 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 a weird debut. You don't know the context. You can apply the same type of thinking to Ben Brown as well. But uh, these things tend to happen. The five soft hits, as you mentioned there, it's a perhaps a fluky thing. Um, the stuff is there. I'm hoping, Corey, that once they figure out some of this 40-man stuff that we see with Snesky, maybe this month in August, maybe that's a little bit too optimistic. Maybe you want to get them settled in in AAA and then bring them up. But I'm hoping that we have an idea of what his potential role could be for the Cubs before the season's over. And if he has success in like three to five starts in September um, or late August, that would be incredibly informative to what they end up uh, may end up doing this offseason. Yeah. So another guy to keep an eye on. We're going to keep it going. Stick on pitching for a second here yeah, as, as we get closer to wrapping up the podcast in a little bit here. Uh, Daniel Palencia also pitched on Sunday. He goes just three innings, uh, but he struck out seven batters, no hits, no walks. Uh, And the interesting thing about Palencia, Mm -hmm. Brendan, is that he touches 101 miles an hour with his fastball and was throwing 91 to 93 mile an hour sliders in his first inning of work today. So again, you know, he's much, uh, you know, younger at the lower levels of this system uh but again it's a lot of big stuff power arms velo exciting things for the cubs infrastructure to be able to work on yeah i mean when you throw triple digits and you have a slider that's in the low 90s and you're doing that having started 15 games in high A so far this season, you have to you have to be a little bit intrigued by that. And in high A so far this season, his K per nine is in the double digits, almost 12 batters per game. The command perhaps needs to be uh, controlled better. His walk per nine is four and a half batters per game, and his uh, ERA is 4.4. But the stuff is just jumping out. And again, 101 sliders in the low 90s. Uh, going into this year, Scouts did rate his fastball as a 60 on the 80 scale, so about one standard deviation better than your typical prospect. And they do like the Scouts going into the year. They did like his curveball, uh, but we see now that perhaps that harder slider in 91 to 93 mile per hour range is what could get Palencia to the next level, hopefully soon. Yeah, and so uh, Palencia had been on the injured list since July 17th, so this was his first action back out there, and he is at South Bend, 22 years old. So he is, uh, you know, it's it's very much a a potentially, uh, you know, lengthy process, but remember, he came over in the Andrew Chafin trade, uh, and, you know, just you see the video of him pumping 101 past people, and it's like, okay, sure, I can be patient on that. I forgot he was part of that trade. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Look at that. absolutely. Good job, Chad. Uh, yeah, Greg Dykeman, I think, would have been the, the leading piece. At least, you know, he was in the higher yeah. levels. But uh, it would appear that perhaps Palencia is the more interesting piece long term. Um, Brendan, I don't know about you. I can get interested in a 101-mile-an-hour fastball. Yeah, I think that will do yeah, fine. Yeah, I think it. it'll play. Just a guess. Um, so. so switching a little to the offensive side of things, it is always a good time to update on Alexander Canario. He was oh, yeah. the Cubs minor league player of the month for July. Uh, these numbers are uh, pretty good, Brendan. I, you know, if I'm uh, speaking for myself, he had a 354 batting average, a seven home runs, 16 RBIs, a 500 on base percentage, which helped him get to a 1300 OPS in the month of July for double A Tennessee. Uh, Alexander Canario is appears to be really good, Brendan. I think so, Corey. His strikeout rate from high A early this year has gone down from 35% to 26% in Tennessee and double A. I don't know what happened. I don't know if that's a random thing or not, but a almost 10 percentage point drop in K rate has to be interesting to some people. Maybe he changed something mechanically. Maybe that's just him getting comfortable seeing advanced pitching, but that is a huge boost to his overall presumably contact rate. And he's able to match that with 
good power, almost 20 home runs and 300 plate appearances there. This is impressive stuff. And once you start doing this at the double-A level, you're knocking on the door, man. Like these double-A pitchers, they have more advanced stuff. The jump from high-A to double-A is quite significant. So for Canario, it, it could be, dude. Like, you know, early on, if he keeps progressing at this type of pace, we may we may see him. Some have even suggested, I doubt it happens, but it's always fun to dream about. Some of it has suggested that maybe he'll get just a cup of coffee towards the end of September just to like reward him for all of his development and hard work. Uh, that would be fun. I'd be shocked if that happens, but you can imagine this success continuing early on next season, maybe forcing himself in the picture at Wrigley, maybe summer next season, but this is good to see. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and just one more name. I We really could keep going. I, like, the system is pretty loaded, right? Like, obviously, nice. you know. Finally. Yeah. And I think uh, Jed talked about this when he spoke on Marquee the other day, like, that the loading up the pipeline is, is one thing, and then graduating that talent to the majors and, and sort of uh, guiding that success is the next process. And he mentioned that they had done that before. And in case you are not sure, he's referencing in, you know, 2015 and 2016 when they brought a lot of guys up and won the World Series with a lot of homegrown talent and, uh, you know, guys that were in their first or second year. Won the World Series, yeah. Right, correct. the Chicago yeah. Cubs. Yeah. Uh, yeah Cubs, so, yeah. you know, that, that's always the process, you know, having a good system, having a bunch of guys that are really exciting or, you know, that everybody's fawning over is, you know, not the end game, right? It's part of the end game. But they appear to have done a very nice job on step one and step two continues to, you know, be a work in progress, right? Uh, But one more guy to keep in mind, uh, Jonathan Perlaza, who is uh, playing second base for AA Tennessee. Uh, He just keeps hitting home runs, Brendan. He's got 19 on the season, and I feel like every time I log on to social media, he's hit a home run. So he hit a home run on Sunday. He hit a home run on Friday. He hit two home runs on August 3rd last Wednesday. He hit a home run on August 2nd as well. So it's been a, a you know, just blazing start to the month of August for Perlaza. Uh, his overall numbers so far on the 2022 season, uh, 257 average, 357 on base, and an 863 OPS, 19 homers, 55 RBIs. So just, you know, again, uh, 23 years old, another guy to keep on your radar here. Double A as well. So same discussion with Canario. He could be up, you know, at any point. Presumably they've done this in the past with more advanced prospects. They'll give him up, get him up past AAA, skip AAA up at the big league level. But the the roster lineup crunch is a real thing, Corey. This is like when you talk about Canario, when you talk about uh, Perlaza, the reason I want to see Velasquez now, the reason I want to see Crook now, because I need to know personally as a as a fan, like I need to know what the crunch could look like next season. The more data you get on these guys now informs what you may end up doing with Perlaza or Canario and how advanced you want to be and who you want to go out and sign in free agency and what guys you end up wanting to trade to boost your lineup. Maybe they trade Perlaza. Maybe they trade Canario for top end talent in other organizations. But I need to have a better informed opinion on that. The only way to do that is to have the big league guys get those chances and it has a domino effect when we talk about these guys. Right. And, you know, we talked about that with someone like Matt Mervis on the last episode. He hit. A, yeah. He also hit another homer today. Um, he's <laughs> he's really going off. But as we I talked know. about, there is a sort of unique discussion and decision with someone like him and it applies to some of these other guys that maybe in a different situation you'd say yeah screw it bring him up put him on the 40 man let's see what they got for a little bit uh you know with the big league team there's not a lot of space for that so if they're not already on the 40 man you're gonna have to be pretty sure that when you bring them up they're gonna stay there and stay uh on your major league roster because you just are gonna have a lot of decisions to make as it relates uh and you and i talked about this on the last episode with the rule five draft you got to be careful about those decisions so you know you're weighing something like do we want to see them for a couple months but then now they're taking that 40 man spot and we have 
you know, big time prospects uh, and other guys that we need to prioritize, making sure we keep safe from that Rule Five draft. Yeah. So, and, and guess what? Brennan Davis is going to come back from injury at any point now, too. So that that crunch is is for a real core. Right, it's a massive crunch. Yeah, they have a they have a a roster crunch, a forty man crunch, and then they also have a playing time crunch at the <laughs> yeah. major league level. Everything is crunch. Which I think, uh, you know, when we were talking. Um, you know, maybe on on post game last week or, or around the trade deadline. You know, it, it was uh, Ryan Herrera was making a good point that it's you, you don't often expect a team that is you know something like twenty games under five hundred and fighting for last place like the Cubs to constantly sort of have these roster crunches. But here we are, right? And I mean, in theory, it's a good problem to have, I guess, in this situation, yeah. in this context. You just don't want to get messed up, right? Like you don't want to uh, space out the playing time in a way that you don't get these guys going on a consistent basis. I, this the Solaire example always pops up in my head because that was a roster crunch at the time, and they got back value from Solaire in that way Davis deal. So it's not like it's a bad thing, uh, but also you, you don't know how the roster shapes up and. Those same guys, as I said, oh, you got back value from from Soler and Wade Davis. The same can be said about some of these current guys, where you get back value, maybe even as soon as this offseason, if you give them a fair shot. Okay, let's preview this upcoming three-game set against the Washington Nationals, who come to Wrigley Field for a first game starting Monday night at 7.05 p.m. We have Keegan Thompson pitching for the Cubs. Keegan this year is 8-5 with a... 3.48 ERA. He'll be facing Anibal Sanchez for Washington, who is 0-4 with the 7.65 ERA. Tuesday, same start time, 7.05 p.m. We have Marcus Stroman on the mound for the Cubs. Been very good lately. Overall on the year, he's 3-5 with a 4-flat ERA. For the Nationals is Espino, who is 0-4 with a 4.2 ERA. Wednesday afternoon start time, 1.20 p.m. Justin Steele on the mound for the Cubs. Steele looking to continue this recent stretch of lots of whiffs. Good command on the year. He's 4-7, 3.67 ERA. He'll be facing the Washington Nationals Gray, who this season he is 7-8 with a 4.92 ERA. Both these teams suck, Corey. The Nationals are 36 and 74. The Cubs are 43 and 64. So if you're following draft standings, this is a series for you. It's a good thing we don't work for Marquee because these teams suck is not a, uh, that's not good advertising. Uh, Yeah, we're really selling it here. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, hoping uh, for Keegan to have a, you know, a bounce back after his last last outing. Um, And other than that, you know, again, keeping an eye on pretty much the same stuff that we've been talking about. Who's playing where? um, Who's not playing? I guess hopefully Morrell is able to get back there, out there soon. Yeah, hopefully. Obviously, you know, I'm totally fine erring on the side of caution. You know, you want him to continue getting well, he's more on reps. my fantasy. T- he's on my fantasy team, so I nobody ideally, cares. like, kind of get back. Yeah, nobody cares well, care. about that. Well, I don't. Right. Um, but, you know, you want him to be working on his his defense at certain positions where, you know, ever mm-hmm. the Cubs may envision him next year, things like that, continuing to make adjustments at the plate. But, you know, you want him healthy first. So that's that's the priority. So I'm happy with them taking their time there. And then, uh, you know, again, just keeping an eye on, you know, some of these guys getting uh, a little bit of a shot. Can, you know, Madrigal get going here? McKinstry has had a rough start to his time with the Cubs. Does he continue to get playing time? And, and is he able to turn it on, et cetera, et cetera? So, you know, I think a pretty similar story. And then, of course, as, as far as the bullpen, you know, we continue to watch who's getting these high leverage innings um, and how some of these guys are doing now that they're getting more of an opportunity with the veteran, you know, and, and you know, more or successful portion of the Cubs bullpen uh, having been jettisoned to new teams last week. Uh, And then, of course, Brendan, after this series, not to jump ahead of ourselves, but I know everybody's like so excited uh, for the Field of Dreams game on Thursday. Oh, yeah. It's almost here. The big game. (laughs) (laughs) Did they give out a trophy for for that game, too? I don't think the White Sox got one Uh, last year, but I I don't really remember. Um, Should be very interesting. Um watching the Cubs and Reds battle for last place, but in a cornfield, a historic cornfield. So yes. if that's your jam, we've got some 
exciting stuff <laughs> this week. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that's what we have here. It's an interesting spot, I think, as as a Cubs fan. We're past the deadline, so at least for now, the the emotional sort of affronts from the organization have, have taken a back seat. Um, nice series here against the Marlins. They pick up a couple of wins as they try to avoid a 100-loss season, which of course would be nice. And the system is really exciting on a daily basis. So, you know, of course, I, I think all of us would rather be getting ready for the playoffs or figuring out who they're going to be playing in the first round or if they're going to win the division or the wild card. But alas, that's not how this season has turned out. Um, but there is some some good stuff happening at the major league level and, and certainly at all levels, uh, every single level yeah. of the minor league system. So progress in that regard, that was a big part of the plan. And, you know, at least a good portion of that seems to be going really well. So uh, Brendan and I will talk to you again after the Cubs finish up this series with the Nationals. Cody, Luke, Ryan will have you for pre and post on Monday. And other than that, we appreciate you guys supporting everything going on at CHGO, covering all of the teams in the wonderful city of Chicago, and of course, our team here with the CHGO Cubs squad. We'll talk to you again on Wednesday evening, and as always, go Cubs! We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.